Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. A church is a family. And more than anything in the Word of God, you know, we talk about the church being the body of Christ and and the army of Christ. But more than anything, the Bible uh, describes the church as a living organism that's a family. Amen. And so when the family faces things, we face it together. I say we face it together. And we deal with it together. And according to the word, we deal with it from the scriptures. So let's go today. And if uh, I was to uh, maybe uh, title this. I would just entitle it, Our Hope. Our Hope. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, beginning in verse 14. And the Apostle Paul said this. Notice he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Of whom the whole family, notice, the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. So there's no distinction between the family. It's just that part of the family is in one location and part of the family is in the other location. But the family is the same whether it's in heaven or on earth. The whole family in heaven and earth, all right, is named after the Father. But the indication there is that we are family. That's why we call each other brother and sister. Brother brother Kevin, Sister Carrie. Now, I know that's that's old school to some people, and, and I understand that, and that's fine. I'm not arguing about that. But the point is that's why it began. That's, that's why all the way through the, the, the Pauline epistles, you see Paul referring to uh, each other as brothers and sisters. He said, the younger women look to the older women as mothers. The younger men look to the older men as fathers. Why? We're a family. Amen. We're a family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Family. family. Glory to God. Let's go to Romans 12. So... Paul says that we are part of the family of God. In Romans 12, beginning around verse 10, the Apostle Paul begins to give us some guidelines as to how a family operates. And he says, Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Now very often, especially in times like this, uh, people will go and they'll, they'll pull that scripture out of its setting. And they'll say, well, we're supposed to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Well, that's true. That's absolutely the truth. But I want you to see something. I want you to see why. I want you to see why. You know, over the years, uh, especially in our circles, and, 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 and it's no knock against our circles. I love my company. But you'll hear people, you know, a loved one will go to be with the Lord. And I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, don't grieve, don't mourn, don't cry. Well, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's a person that you loved. It's a person that you were connected to. It's a person that was vital to your life. And their bodily presence is no longer here. So there's going to be a detachment. There's going to be a pain. There's going to be a grief. There's going to be a mourning. The Bible says there's a time to laugh and a time to mourn. Are you following me? There's a difference between grief and the spirit of grief. There's a difference between mourning and melancholy mourning. Amen. When, when, uh, when, uh, when uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this verse, notice he starts off and he says, Be kind one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. What that means is this. There's going to be times that you're rejoicing and I don't have anything to rejoice over. But if I prefer you, I'll rejoice with you. There's going to be times that our brothers and sisters are weeping and everything's really going pretty good in our life. But if I prefer them, I'm going to weep with them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see this? You know, in the situation that we're walking through, of course, Aaron and Earl, I've known both of them years now. And I knew them years before they started coming to the church. And so in this situation, these are my sons. Amen. Do, do, do you hear me? And so to prefer them would be to weep with them. Amen. To prefer them would be to enter into that and understand that this is a situation where the family can come together and say, you know what, we're going to get through this. Amen. And is, is, is it a hard time? It's hard because of loss. It's hard because a person that I love has went to be with Jesus. And so, yes, it's difficult. It's hard. Amen. I pity any church where the pastor will tell people, you know, it's, it, it, everything's okay. Everything is okay because you're saved and because they're with Jesus. But understand something. We're going to get through this hard time together. We're going to get through it together. Amen. 
And so he says, notice, that we are to love each other, honor each other, prefer each other, and rejoice with each other, and weep with each other. Weep with each other. That's important. Hallelujah. Because there's a supernatural peace that accompanies things that we walk through. But then there are times that that weeping will come on me. That's okay. That's okay. That's, that's a spiritual weeping. That's a cleansing. That's a strengthening. Hallelujah. That, that's, a, that's a strengthening. That's a cleansing. It's, it's spirit-inspired. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see this? And so, when we, we, as family, when we prefer each other, we enter into the hurt. We enter into the pain. We enter into that. And we, we, realize, we realize that we're not devastated. We're not heartbroken because our loved one's in a better place. You, I, I can't be devastated knowing that they're better off. I can't be heartbroken knowing they're better off. I'll show you this from the scripture. But yet, God understands that I'm human. Amen. And that I relied on this person. The Bible says when a man or a woman, man and a woman, that's the only way that it's legal to be married, you know, man and woman. But when a man and a woman get married, what's the Bible say? They become one. One flesh. That's why in the book of Genesis, in the book of beginnings, the Bible says that God called them Adam. Not him, them. And it says they were one. Right? It, it was Adam who said, when God presented uh, the woman to Adam, it was Adam who said, for this reason, referring to the woman, a man will leave his father and mother that was prophetic because there were no fathers and mothers at the time. He was giving us the, the, the standard. He was giving us the direction for marriage. A man leaves his father and mother and they become one flesh. Is that right? Everybody say one. one. Do you see this? And so when that person leaves the earthly existence... Part of the person left is gone. Amen. You know, my wife's my brain a lot of times. All you guys chuckling and you're, you're you bunch of male chauvinists. I'm telling you. I know you just do everything around your house. You just do it all. Amen. Your wife's gone for a week and you'd fall apart. Amen. Uh, now it's nervous chuckles. <laughs> Is he in my house? Yes, yes. I'm in my house. But my point is, you know, it's not just a loss in the sense of 
they're not here, part of me's gone. Part of me is gone. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time because I need you to see this. We know they're better off. We know they're in the presence of Jesus. We know they're preparing for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're not, we're not heartbroken because of where they're at. But there's a brokenness because of where I'm at. I'm here and they're not here. Even though I know. You see what I'm saying? And so we always in these situations walk that fine line of where, what do I allow myself to enter into? You allow yourself to enter into godly grief and godly mourning and you keep yourself out of devastation and heartbreak. Because I cannot be devastated knowing a loved one's better off. I cannot be heartbroken and say I love that person more than anything in this world and be heartbroken because they're with Jesus. Never feel sorry for somebody that went to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Hagin told a story one time. He said that, uh, uh, you may have heard it, but he said he had a... uh, uh, Sunday school superintendent, and this Sunday school superintendent worked in the oil fields. And he said one day he was doing some work high up on a platform, and he fell, slipped and fell, and fell into some machinery. And, of course, you remember the story. They, they said the man had died, and uh, he went to heaven, and, and Jesus pulled back that curtain and said, you got to go back. And he said, why? And he said, because Brother Hagin won't let you stay. He was praying for him, right? Well, that man had been to heaven. He came back, and the first Sunday he was back at church, he made the statement, he said, uh, never feel sorry for anybody that dies and goes to heaven. He said, I never felt the impact of that machinery. He said, I just went to sleep here and woke up there. Now, I'm saying that for a reason. So I got to walk that fine line because the the enemy will push me. The enemy will push me over into this grieving that overtakes my life. This heartbreak that I just can't go on. I just can't make it. That is a a self-centered grief. Because I can say I'm grieving for the person but I'm really grieving for me. You see? But when I understand that what the Word says about what has happened, there's nothing I can do but rejoice for where they are. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, the book of Philippians chapter 1, Oh, hallelujah. Verse 23. The Apostle Paul says, I am in a strait. In other words, I'm in a tight place between two, between two desires. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now notice that. Paul says to be with Christ is far better. 
far better. Now he says, nevertheless, in his situation, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The people that he's writing to, the church at Philippi. But notice what he says. He says, to be with Christ, to depart and to be with Christ is far better than being on the earth. Now, nobody will disagree with that. Amen. that's, That's what the Bible calls the blessed hope is the day we can all depart and be with Christ. Hallelujah. Did you see this? So our loved one is in a far better place. Hallelujah. Amen. And Paul says, notice, he says that it is far better than being on the earth. When the believer goes to be with the Lord, they've received the best they could ever receive. That's the ultimate, is to be with Jesus. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians 4, And we are just, uh, we're really laying a foundation here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them, notice this phrase, which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now let's stop right there. We're going to read a couple more verses. But I want you to see this. Notice, number one, that the death of a believer is called sleep. The death of a believer is called sleep. And then Paul says, notice, uh, that you sorrow not. And now I've heard people say, see there, the Bible says not to sorrow. It's not where it stopped. It said, don't sorrow as others who have no hope. Didn't say don't sorrow. It said don't sorrow like the world because the world has no hope. We have hope. Not only, listen, not only, not only that they are with Jesus, but that one day we're going to be raptured and be caught up to be together with them, our loved one and Christ in the air. Amen. 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 Do you see this? So I don't sorrow like the world. Oh, they're gone. There's, oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? No, 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 no. We don't sorrow that way. We sorrow, but not like that. Not like that. Why not? Number one, they're with Jesus. Ain't it? And, and right? No, number two, there's coming a morning, a great getting up morning, that I'm going to hear the trump of God and the voice of an archangel and the shout of the Lord Jesus, and I'm going to be caught up and be together with them. And the first person I'll see is Jesus, and the second person I'll see is my loved one. Oh, hallelujah. So I, I can't sorrow because they're waiting on me. Right now, they're preparing the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right now, your loved one is touring their mansion. They're t- oh, hallelujah. I can't be sorrowful. I can't be sorrowful. Aaron sent me a picture the other day and said this was, this was Melanie's, uh, what'd you say, uh, uh, taste in, in furnishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. And I thought, see, she had a flair for that thing. Well, she's, uh, she's up there right now decorating her mansion. 
Listen, people can say all that people up there are doing. Right now, they, they are preparing. They are in preparation. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. We, amen. We're close. We are really, we are closer now than we have ever been. If you watch Brother Copeland the last two nights, he, he prophesied last night, and he said, even now, the angel is ready in the trumpet to put it to his lips. We're close. We're close. I say, we're close. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. Our loved one no longer knows time. They're not upset. They're not impatient. Hallelujah. That's why we got to enter into the things of the Spirit and just understand that the day's coming. Hallelujah. The day's coming that we'll all be together again. And until then, we win and the devil eats it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see this? And then he goes on and he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, here's the question. Do we believe that? Even so, them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, then you got to believe that when Jesus returns to rapture the church, he'll bring your loved one with him. Woo! I'm kind of jealous because they get to see it first. Hallelujah. They get a behind the scenes look at what's going to happen. You and I, we're waiting. We won't know till we hear the trumpet. They know now. They, they, right, they, um, you understand what I mean by they know. They know what's happening. They know the preparations that are being made. And then he goes on in verse 15 and he says... For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent them which are asleep. Now this is important. The death of the believer is called sleep. Now get this. They've fallen asleep in God's mind. This is referring to the moment they died. It's just like they went to sleep. Sleep is peaceful and calm. Are you with me? Ever what the circumstances may have been, ever what the situation may have been, God looked at it as sleeping. Oh, glory. And he said in the book of Psalms that the death of the saint is precious in his sight. Here's what that means. The word precious means costly. So God understands the cost. He understands the cost. And he says, I understand that. It's costly to me. But he said, I'm going to bring them back with me. Amen. They're just asleep. And in other words, the body is just asleep. It's just, it's just asleep. That, that is so important. Do you remember when Lazarus had died? The Bible says Jesus told the disciples first, Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciple, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's doing good. And Jesus had to say, okay, guys, he died. Right? But what did he say it was? Sleep. 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 The person is more alive now than they've ever been. The body's just asleep. Because that's the body that God's going to resurrect and glorify. It's just sleeping. Amen. 
Do, do, do you see this? 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians. So notice Paul said, we don't sorrow like the world. Amen. I've, I've been around people before, and, and they will try to get people that maybe a loved one has went to heaven, you know, not to sorrow, and, and, and you know, you shouldn't be crying. And Well, why in the world not? That's, that's not Bible. I, I'm not crying because I don't believe I'm ever going to see this person again. I'm, I'm not crying, uh, right? Part of my life is gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, I, and I may not know what triggers it. I have a good friend that lost his wife. I say lost. She moved to heaven a few weeks ago back in December. And uh, I've been talking to him on the phone. And he made a statement to me. He said, uh, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good. He said, I went and, and sold her car. And he said, I was glad because we didn't have the payment anymore. He said, but then I came home and it wasn't where it should have been. And I just started crying. He said, then I thought I was doing pretty good, and I took the dog for a walk. And that's what we used to do. Right. And I started crying. He said, I, 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 I went to work, and I have all these monitors, and I would have her on one monitor and my boss on the other monitor and talk to her and tell her I was coming home. And he said, I was doing real good till it came time to go home. Now, people say, why are you saying that? Because this is a believer. He knows. He knows what the Word of God says. But there's times it just, that, that sorrow just comes on me. And it's not because I'm not a believer. It's because part of my life is not the same anymore. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see this? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 55. Notice this. Oh, hallelujah. He says... Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? Now, the proper term there is hell. Hades, where is your victory? Now, this is important as we, we move on into this. But notice, first of all, death has no sting for the believer. They never even taste it. One moment they were on the earth, the next second they were gone. That quick. Now, if you back up to verse 26, notice what it says. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, here's what we, we want to see. So death then is an enemy. Death is an enemy. But at the, the day that Jesus returns to the earth and sets up his thousand-year reign, death will be vanquished forever, physical death. The power of death, right? Because Paul said, grave, where's your victory? Death, where is your sting? All right? The power of death has been alleviated already. The enemy cannot hold death over your head anymore. Because the, the, only, the only thing that passes away on this earth is this physical body. You and I as believers never die because we have eternal life. Amen. 
And we see here, again, that death was never God's will. So what does that mean? God never has a part in death. Amen. I'm, I'm one that I don't shy away from questions. You know, I've, had, I've, I've done this a, long, a lot over the years. I've dealt with circumstances with the, like this. When my father passed away, I had people asking questions. Why? And he laid hands on other people. And, and what was wrong? Well, you know, the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. There are things I'm never going to know. If the Holy Spirit tells you something, and I've spoke to both these men, and I believe the Holy Spirit's given them some clarity Amen. on some things. But here's, here's the bottom line. Here's the tried, true truth. Death is an enemy of God. So God never has any part of it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Right? So that's why we give glory to God, and the devil eats it. Amen. Are you, are you following me? So God never has a part in death and dying. Now, Hebrews 2. So the believer never even tastes death. Hallelujah. Because, and here's how I know this. The Bible says that when the believer dies, that what happens is God takes the spirit. That's it. Think about that. If your spirit's gone, your body has no feeling. Now let me ask you a question this morning. How good do you think God is? How good? So ever how a person moves to heaven... Before the pain of death ever occurred, the spirit was gone. That believer never experienced the pain of death. Hallelujah. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Because there's things that you can't, your mind will try to think on. And you can't think on that. You gotta, the Bible says that we get through these things with the comfort of the scriptures. Well, scripture says death has no sting for the believer. Uh, I won't take the time to go there, but the book of Ecclesiastes says that in each of us, right now, if you could see in the spirit world, there's a silver cord that's attached to your spirit. And it says that when the believer dies, God just pulls the silver cord. Pulls your spirit out. Amen. So before the believer, before the believer ever, listen, the believer didn't even know what was happening. The body went to sleep and they, they were at home. Amen. See, this, this is what I want you to understand. When a believer leaves the earth and goes to heaven, they didn't get there and were surprised. 
You know, we, we see movies sometimes, and they're looking around. Oh, what is this? That, that's where they're from. That's why it's called home. Right? Aaron, when you go back to Ohio to visit your folks, where do you call it? Home. You pull up to your parents' house, do you, do you act like a stranger? Or do you walk in? You better have some pants on because I'm coming in. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why it says, sounds good to me. Right? But it's home. It's, it's just home. I bet you don't even ask to go in the refrigerator. No. Hallelujah. Because it's home. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Now, I'm, I'm just saying this to say that your spirit right now, your spirit inside your human body is desirous to be home. That's why the Bible says we are in the world, but we're not of the world. I was birthed in a totally different place. I was birthed in heaven. I came to this earth at the moment of conception. My spirit showed up at the conception of my human body. And over the period of nine months, my human body grew in the womb of my mother. And I was born as a baby and grew as a human being on the earth. But my spirit was fully formed. My spirit was fully alive. I could say it this way. I had a grown-up spirit in a baby body. And as my spirit grew, I began to know more about God. But my spirit has been desiring to go back home ever since it came into this earth. Why? Because that's where I'm from. And so when the believer goes to be with Jesus, they, right? You know, they're immediately at home. They know what to do. They know where to go. They know where they're at. Our, our loved ones did not go to the gate and Peter decide could they come in or not. That's where they were from. Their passport had already been stamped. When they gave their heart to Jesus, it was stamped. Heaven is where they're from. Oh, glory to God. On your United States passport, on the back page, it says the Secretary of State of the United States of America does ask that if this national of the United States requires any aid or support, that aid and support be given to them forthwith because they are a citizen of the United States of America. When that body went to sleep, that spirit went to God and they had their heavenly passport stamped. This is where I'm from. This is where I belong. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. And now they're ready in the celebration for the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm, 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 I, I never make light of these things. You understand. But the Bible says we get our comfort from the Scripture. Right now, Melanie and Liz are not sitting on the dock of the bay wondering what to do. They are, they are readying. They, they are working. They have jobs. They got there and went to work. Amen. Amen. I, listen, I know both of them. Get out the way. I got something to do. Amen. Glory to God. Especially Liz. Lord, you got to help that man. You got to help that man. My wife said something, and I believe it was by the Spirit of the Lord. And she posted it. She said, 
She said, uh, my sweet Melanie, she said, when you went across the portals of heaven, I know the first thing you did was ask Jesus to take care of your family. And I believe that. Amen. But it wasn't sad. It wasn't sorrowful. You understand? Because the Bible says there, there's no more tears or dying or pain. Glory to God. I mean, you guys, you thought they looked good here? Oh, Jesus. When you get to heaven, you will really know how good God was to you. Hallelujah. Am I helping you with this? It's important that you understand that. Now notice this. Did you find Hebrews 2 and verse 8? That you have put all things under subjection under his feet, for in that he put all subjection under him. He left nothing that's not put under him, but now we see not all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Now see, that's important. We don't see all things put under his feet yet, but we do see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels, a man. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now notice this. The purpose he was created was for the suffering of death. Now hang on. I want you to put this together. He endured the suffering of death. But Paul called the death of the believer sleep. Jesus suffered in his death so we could sleep in our death. Hallelujah. 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 I remember one time we had a dear woman that came to the church here for number of years when I first started the church and, and her husband went to be with the Lord and uh, to this day I, I don't know if he was a believer he, uh, I witnessed to him several times and, and uh, uh, I asked him there towards the end if he was ready to go and he told me he was and so I don't know but I do know about her and some of y'all remember her sister Rosemary and uh, just a more godly woman I never met in my life and she moved into, finally, into a little retirement place and assisted living. She didn't really need assistance in living, but in any event, you know, she sold the house and moved there. And, uh, you know, one day she didn't show up for church. And then she didn't show up somewhere else. Well, she had passed away. And, uh, you know, they, they, they begin to say why she had passed away. And the family begin to say, oh, you know, I feel so bad I wasn't there and what she must have suffered. She didn't suffer anything. Jesus suffered death so we could sleep. One second, I'm here, and a millisecond later, I'm there. It's not going to sleep here and waking up there. My spirit doesn't sleep. Uh-huh. The moment the body went to sleep, the spirit said, praise God. Amen. Are you following me? 
He suffered death. He tasted death for every man. Notice this. Death has no taste for the believer. Isn't that wonderful? Now, why is that important? That's the comfort of the Scriptures. That's the comfort of the Scriptures. People very often will say, well, what do I say? I don't know what to say. Comfort with the Scriptures. This is what the Scripture says. Amen. Do you see that? You gather the family around and you ask them. The Bible says it's better to be with Jesus. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Then I'm I'm sorrowful. um, I feel lost. But I can't be devastated because my loved one's with Jesus. Woo, glory. Amen. Now notice verse 14 of chapter 2. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So through his death, Jesus destroyed, paralyzed the devil. The Woos Bible says, rendered him inoperative. So we've been delivered from the fear of death. Death holds no fear for the believer. Well, what does that mean? My loved one never feared death. If you have no fear of death, what could you possibly be afraid of? Now, we're family, so I'm just, I'm just dealing with this straightforward. So we know that Liz and Melanie were godly women that loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When the incident occurred, there was no fear. Only joy and peace and love. Hallelujah. Yeah, but what about this? What about the comfort of the Scripture? Comfort of the Scripture. Right? Because, right? Because the enemy will start, well, if this and if that. That's just moving you away from the answer. And your comfort. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Glory to God. But however, whatever, however it happened, instantly there was peace. Instant freedom. Amen. Glory to God. Why? Because Jesus suffered it for me. We've been delivered from the dread of death. Now think. We've really been delivered from it now. Everybody in here, most, all of us, have somebody waiting on the other side. Amen. And they're not wanting to hurry up and get you there. They're in the grandstands cheering you on. You've got to do what God wants you to do because they're watching 
and cheering you on now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And back in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm hurrying a little bit. This is important. Because this is how you walk through these things. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. We are confident, and I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Notice, to be absent from the body, that means death, is to be present with the Lord, life. So he talks about the Spirit as a person. So you can be absent from your body. And it just means that the body has no more animation. If, if we think this way, it's the comfort of the Scripture. This body is not me. It contains me. This jacket is not me. Yet when I move my arm, the arm of the jacket moves. But if I unbutton my coat and take the jacket off, the jacket does nothing. Because the jacket is not alive. I'm alive. The body is not alive. The Spirit's alive. And He says that when you're absent, the body goes to sleep. And He says we're willing, notice we're confident. What are we confident of, Paul? That to be absent from the body is is to be present with the Lord. Confident. Confident. And notice He says, I'm not only confident, I'm willing. Now why was Paul so willing? Because he'd been there. He had been there. He'd been caught up to the third heaven. That's why he was so willing. That's why he was in a strait betwixt the two. It'd be far better to be there. But I know it's more needful for you for me to be here. You got to learn these things. Hallelujah. See, once they're there, that's where they want to be. Once we're there, that's where we want to be. I'm much more willing to be here than it was not two degrees in heaven this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. You you understand? But here's the point. Paul said, I'm willing, I'm confident that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and I'm willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Amen. Now, part of the blessed hope, the rapture of the church, is what? That the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Thessalonians 4. Amen. If you don't deal with these things straight on, it gives the devil room to get in there. 
because you can be the kind of person that stiff upper lip and I'm not ever going to cry and I'm not going to grieve and I'm not going to mourn and, and I don't have any sorrow, I'm fine, look, everything's great. And you can dance and run and you just leave a door open for the devil because you're lying. Amen. Now remember what I said. We don't enter into mourning the way the world enters into mourning. We, we have a hope, right? We have a peace that passes understanding. And I know both these men have experienced that in the last week or so. A peace that passes understanding. Why does it pass understanding? Because I can't manufacture it. I can't work it up. It's just, it's there and I didn't do it. Amen. Amen. That's how we walk it out. Hallelujah. But there's going to be times I cry. There's going to be times I miss them. And that's okay. That's all right. But just, just know that's just me. That's just my natural affection. I love that person more than I love anybody else in the world. Right? But I know where they're at, and I know what they're doing, and I know they'd rather be there than here. So, so I can't, right? I'm not crying because I'm crying. Baby, I'm crying because I miss you. I'm, I'm crying because there's a part of me that's not here. Oh, glory. But, see, that's, that's part of the blessed hope is the dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. We have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, uh, uh, even so them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now see, here's something else to see. So he's saying, I'm telling you this by the word of the Lord. Not my opinion. Comfort of the scripture. This is what the Lord says. We that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent them that are asleep. For the Lord himself. Now how did Paul learn this? He learned it when he went to heaven. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now think about that. Jesus is coming back shouting. Oh, hallelujah. You know, people like quiet and, and, and you know, silent services, they're going to have a hard time at the rapture because he's coming back shouting and blowing trumpets. Amen. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel with the trump of God. Notice, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Doggone it, they were always a step ahead of us on the earth and they're going to be a step ahead of us at the rapture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All of us, we've all seen that look on Aaron and Earl's face. And their wives were already out in front of them. Boys, they're still out in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then, we which are alive and remain. 
Hallelujah. Shall be caught up, snatched, forcibly taken. The rapture of the church will be caught up together with them. Now, wait a minute. So he comes back and the dead in Christ rise first and then we come up right behind them. And we're caught up together. Now you do whatever you want. You can say I don't have scripture for this, but you don't have any against it, so there you go. (laughs) Hallelujah. I believe we'll meet our loved ones in the air and go to be with them. Together with them. And what are we going to do? Meet the Lord in the air together with them. Together with them. And we will ever be with the Lord. That's that great reunion day. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. People say, what do I say about my loved one? Just tell them, baby, I'll see you in the rapture. I'll see you in the rapture. Amen. Hallelujah. That's so important. Mourning is natural, as we said, because they're not physically with us. But our rejoicing is supernatural. Supernatural peace. As believers, we have comfort and hope in the future. Our loved ones are in our future. Not in our past. In our future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we just had so many plans, and you're still going to do them. You're still going to get it done. Hallelujah. Why? Because you have a future. They're in our future. We know they're with the Lord. Scripture calls them blessed. Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are they that die in the Lord. Hallelujah. An important reality is this. Paul said if we believe the gospel, we have to believe in the rapture of the church, which includes the resurrection of the righteous dead. That is the true hope that only we as believers have. Believers do not have, unbelievers do not have that hope. We have that hope. That's why the Bible calls it the blessed hope. The blessed hope. Hope. When the rapture occurs, the Lord will descend with a shout. There will be the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the first to see those things will be the dead in Christ. Hmm. After the dead in Christ are resurrected to be with Christ, we that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, the dead in Christ, and we'll be together with them, with the Lord. And notice... Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. What words? We're all going to be caught up together to be with Christ. Hallelujah. Don't get into why. I've, I've dealt with this a lot over the years. I was, I was dealing with a man one time that had been diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he was a believer and, and a man of the word. And, and I was talking to him outside the church one time. He was having an attack. 
and uh, I was sitting down with him, talking to him and, and praying for him, of course. And he kept asking me, where to open the door? Where to open the door? Where to open the door? And finally, it was just the Holy Spirit. I looked at him and I said, Brother, well, I don't know necessarily that you opened any door. I said, the, the devil will try to put things on people with no doors open at all. Amen. It's what he does. You can spend so much time looking for the open door, you miss the answer. Notice that in the comfort of the scripture, Paul never answers the question why. 42 chapters in the book of Job. And people will say that Job is the answer to why people suffer. But the problem is in 42 chapters, that question is never answered. Amen. We know the reason for Job's suffering was the devil. And we know who delivered him. God. Amen. Yeah, but you know, he feared a fear in his word. I understand all, and all that could have played a part in that. But you can't take the book of Job and just put it over every situation and say that's what happened. Because that's what people start doing. And I'm telling you, as a loving pastor, don't you start doing it. If I hear anybody talking that way, you and me are going to deal with each other. And I'll tell you who's going to win that. Me. It's okay. It's, a, it's okay. It's okay to ask why. And the Lord may tell you something. As I said, I've talked to both these men. The Lord showed them some things. And I'm, I'm confident with what the Lord said to them. But here, here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit says something to you, that's for you. That's not for you to go tell everybody else. That's not for you to go to the, to the family and tell them, this is what the Lord said to me. If the Lord said it to you, it's for you. Amen. And leave it be. Amen. Amen. The comfort of the scriptures. Am I helping you with this? Yes, you, you, you get into why and you leave a door open. You get into why and you open the door for guilt and you open the door for, for uh, 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 shame and you open the door for all of the questions. And what starts happening when you start going the down the rabbit hole of questions, you never get to the answer. You know what a conspiracy theory is? Just a series of questions that nobody can answer. I had a guy get mad at me because I didn't believe the earth was flat. Left the church because I don't believe the earth's flat. And you say, what's that got to do with this? It's a conspiracy theory. There's, there's no way to answer it. Right? You start asking why? Well, why is it cold outside? Why is there snow on the ground? Why is this? And why, there, there any, right? Any number. When all the storms hit the Midwest here not too long ago. I heard a politician immediately blaming on global warming. Does it feel like there's global warming? No. If this is global warming, dear God. I'm just saying there's no answer. When you start asking, well, what if I would have done this? Here's, but let me help all of you all. The bottom line is 
you didn't. All the what ifs, that's not what you did. So it's, it's pointless. Right? And I'll just say this straight up. Well, if I'd have been there, then your family would be without two parents. Your family would be bereft of you. It's not better that one went and one stayed. But that's the answer to that question. Hallelujah. God is good. And He's only good. If God is good, then He's always good. And He's, yeah, and He's got a plan for these families. And He's got a plan for our church family. And it includes these families. Hallelujah. Did, did we leave a door open? What did we do? What if? That's all a big distraction. And it'll move you away from your place of peace. Bottom line, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, they're in a far better place. And one day, the trumpet will sound, the Lord will shout, the archangel will shout, and I'll be caught up together with them. That's, he said, comfort each other with these words. Oh, hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Don't just let your mind entertain those things. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You know, when my dad went home to be with the Lord, and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of sudden. We, f- we found out one month, and uh, we found out in March, and uh, April he went home, uh, about two weeks. And uh, he was diagnosed with, uh, with a heart condition. Didn't know what it was. Well, here's the point. Here's the point. The Lord, you know, the Lord had to comfort me because there was, there was a time in my, my, my dad and I's relationship that it wasn't a good relationship. Right. And, uh, you know, towards, uh, uh, it had been good now for a number of years, understand. But, uh, uh, you know, my dad, my dad uh, was an evangelist the whole time I was growing up. And there were times he'd be gone four, six months. I mean, just not in the home. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember one football game. Well, I can remember one football game my dad was at. No basketball games, no track meets. Uh, I don't know how many birthdays were missed. And I'm not running that down. I'm just saying that's, that's just the reality of it. So there wasn't a big influence there. But here's the point. Here's the point that I'm making. And so, uh, you know, the Lord corrected all that. Thank God, right? God's good to us. He, he, he salvaged that relationship. And it had been good for a number of years. I'd been to their, they, they had actually become ordained under our fellowship. And, and I went and preached at their, anyway, you understand. And uh, so here's my point. I remember, uh, you know, the diagnoses and becoming very well. I'm the son. And so, you know, I, I, I need to make my home available. I need to, to say, hey, you know, we'll bring you here and take care of you or whatever needs to happen. And, uh, 
the love of God, you understand. And, um, but here's the point. is uh, I remember the night, though it actually had been the morning, like 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, my dad called me. And he said, son, I've uh, been talking it over with the Lord. And he said, the Lord told me I could come home if I want to. I said, well, what did you choose, Dad? What, what did you choose? And he said, uh, I've decided to go on. And he said, I want you to take care of your mom. And, uh, and th- you know, at that moment, I was able to talk to him, I, and I prom- made him some promises. And, and then I told him, I said, Dad, just go on. It's go on. You've, you've suffered enough with that. And I hung up the phone, and there was just this knowing that when he called me, it was more than just telling me. It was him wanting me to let him know it's okay. Now, y'all do what you want to with this, but they're telling you this morning, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And you know, you love that person more than you loved anybody in the world. Still do. The kids do. And I just want you to know as your church family, we're going to walk you through this. We'll hold your hand. We'll cry with you. Kids, you got a family here. We'll walk you through it. We'll help you. And quite honestly, there's going to be days that you're on top of the world, and there's going to be days you need to talk. Uh And we're here. And my point is, is God gave me a grace to walk through my dad's passing, but my mom needed me. My mom needed me to be strong. She didn't need my sister to be strong. She needed her son to be strong. So here is what I'm saying. So your kids are going to need you to be strong. Your family is going to need you to be strong. But you'll get a grace to do it. You'll get a grace to do it. And you'll come to look at this time in your life not as a wonderful time, but a time that you can look back and say, God sure did help me. Hallelujah.